everybody, this is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues impacting America. With me is my Ubaldi Reports groups, a bunch of combat Marines and Marine veterans who are just talking about issues that we're all facing. And a couple of the big issues today is one that's kind of carry over from the weekend is Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin went into the hospital right before Christmas for prostate cancer. And since that time, he was saying it was just elective surgery. But then we find out he went back via ambulance to intensive care on January 1st. And for four days, the administration didn't know where he was at or didn't even know he was in the hospital. And you got to remember, on the 4th of January, the U.S. military launched military operations against um, Iranian proxy forces in the Middle East. So it begs the question, who's running the show? If the Secretary of Defense goes in the hospital, that's fine. We hope him, and even on this program, I wish the best for him. I hope he recovers fully. But still, you're the Secretary of Defense. You're a four-star Army general. Everybody down to a private knows if you go to sick bay or sick call, you have to let your command know you're gone. And to be missing for four days, that's inconceivable to me and inconceivable that this is person leading our defense department. Is that is is that a threat to our national security? Well, it's a major threat because it shows when we're conducting one combat operations throughout the Middle East, and he's. Um, handling the wars in um, Ukraine versus Russia, and then the proxy wars going on through the Middle East and um, Israel-Hamas. And it it shows that the president is not in contact on a daily basis with the Secretary of Defense. Now, when they launched combat operations in the Middle East on the 4th of January, CENTCOM, which is U.S. Central Command based out of Tampa, they have to... Let someone know what was the resolution. Did we do? Did we meet our our, our metrics? What was the the damage afterward? Did we hit all our objectives? So did CENTCOM t- contact the Secretary M- of Defense? McKinsey's still in charge over there. No, no, it's an army army general. So going back, uh, kind of to your question. Well, back when we go back to your question, but what's it any of our business about what um, medical procedure he went through? I mean, there's still kind of like some kind of HIPAA there that we're able to get procedures done and we don't need to announce to the nation that I'm getting prostate cancer surgery. Okay, there is HIPAA laws and he's under no, he's like any other private citizen, but he's not. Mm -hmm. He's the Secretary of Defense. If he's going under for prostate cancer, say it. Because you, and then when he he went under for um, his operation, then when he was missing for the four days, he, he said he turned over administrative control or command control to his deputy. Well, his deputy was in uh, Puerto Rico. She didn't even know he was going for a medical procedure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's under HIPAA law, but then you're not. When you go into p- the public service, your life kind of is not your own anymore. Well, I mean, also, but, but there's uh, also a lack of communication. There's a major lack of communication. Within, within the mun- administration, I mean... He- he or his wife or somebody close to him couldn't find. I mean, he's a secretary of defense. If you pick up, his, if you use the cell phone, I'm pretty sure there's a couple numbers in there. They can call and be like, hey, uh, something's going on and everybody should know. Or did they know? 
and they're just not releasing it because if you were, say, three other countries that were in the midst of a proxy war, an actual war, and uh, pending, wouldn't that seem to show weakness that the Secretary of Defense is not at the helm? And But here's the other thing. We have, a situ- we have the National Security Council, which the Secretary of Defense is one of the lead players. Mm-hmm. Jake Sullivan, who is the, the National Security Advisor, is on that. So the question is, for four days, the administration didn't know where he was at or didn't know that he was in the hospital. So that's telling me for four. No, but for that's okay. Just going by that, what we know, that's telling me for four days, while military operations are being commenced in the Middle East, the president is not talking to a secretary of defense. You had Jake Sullivan didn't talk to the uh, secretary of defense. Yeah. The Secretary of State didn't talk to the Secretary of Defense. To me, this is a major breach of a national security because what happens if, uh, let's say for the sake of argument, China invaded Taiwan? Wouldn't the president need to know what's going on? How? What are our options? Well, okay, one of two things then. I think from, okay, you said the Secretary of State and... Uh, national the, Security Advisor. National Security Advisor. And they're not getting blown up on their phone or through their assistance that the Secretary of Defense is not trying to reach them. Or if they're trying to reach the Secretary of Defense because there's something, if there's something going on, there needs to be a constant contact. No flags went up saying something's missing. Or is it the other situation where the three just can't stand each other and when they don't hear from each other, it's a good thing. That would be the worst thing because they all have to coordinate with each other. National Security Advisor, he gets all the information, makes sure the president has all options presented to him. That was the Brent Scowcroft model. I don't know how Jake Sullivan does things, but Brent Scowcroft, who was the National Security Advisor for George H.W. Bush, he didn't get in the realm of the Secretary of State. He didn't step on the toes of Secretary of Defense. He made sure everybody was able to present their case to the president so the president can make an informed decision. And that was one of the smoothest foreign policy teams we've had in a number of years. I mean, we did bring up some good questions. What was, what was the question? Well, ask, uh, ask Donald Trump how many days uh, he golfed. Golfing is different. Probably not as many as Biden has taken off from the White House. Okay, I'll, tell but, him, but, I'll tell him that. I know that for a fact. Golfing is different. We're talking about four days the president did not know his Secretary of Defense was in um, um, in the hospital, incapacitated, and he went under anesthesia. Now, the, the Pentagon said this was elective surgery. You don't go in elective surgery in an ambulance to the ICU because there's some complications from yeah. that, and you didn't go under anesthesia. Even if a president goes under anesthesia, that's fine. He temporarily gives the... The authority to the vice president. Wouldn't his security detail have any? He, well, he has a security detail. He right? does, but also the press spokesman, the a major general from the air, uh, an air force major general, knew about it as well. But he didn't say anything. He so then didn't, there should be. He should be fired. Yeah, there should right be a lot now. of people coming down the this pipe. Is, this was the administration of transparency. Remember, They're very transparent. But remember, okay, <laughs> but as an, about as transparent as our windows at the range. <laughs> but as an but as an example, the Marine Corps commandant, he just had open heart surgery. I think Monday. Yeah. But every, he had a heart attack, and ever since then he transitioned. 
the authority to run in the Marine Corps mm -hmm. to his number two. Well, even so, even even we knew Biden went went out for like a day because he had a colonoscopy, and Kamala took over. I mean, we were well aware of that. So, but but here's another point. Peter Ducey from Fox News made a very good point. If they're not being transparent with this and they don't know where the Secretary of Defense is, how do we trust? They're telling us that Joe Biden's health. Remember, Joe Biden no. is 81 yeah. years old. Do we do we have full confidence that we're telling the straight scoop? All no. we're told is he's in better shape, like Corinne Jean Pierre said. It's just it's hard for us to keep up with his energy. Really, he's 81, and you can't keep up with an 81 year old. <laughs> so how do we know they're being transparent? I'll tell you one thing though. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In 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 maybe not in so much defense, but you are significantly older than me. Okay. No, let's don't go significant. Okay, you're you're a little bit older than me. I'm 59. What are you? 46. Okay, there's a like. Yeah. Is a, it more than 10 years? Yes, it's significantly. Okay. Anyway, but I mean, you run, you swim. You do all that. There's no freaking way I'm able to keep up with you. And well, I think I, I think I'm in decent shape. So I mean, he could be in good shape. He just his cognitive his cognitive awareness might not be there. But the dude okay. might be like a freaking. Here's horse. an example. My dad was a, li a little older than Joe Biden. Okay, before he passed, he passed at 92. There were times. My dad had a serious skull fracture because he was an iron worker. This wasn't when they had good, they didn't have great OSHA laws back then. Yeah. But there were times that he forgot things. And it's not like he has Alzheimer's or dementia. He was just getting older. And as he got older, he slowed down a lot. And we had to, you know, take care of him, watch him, make sure I had to drive him everywhere, make sure to go to the appointments, help him out with his medical procedure, like speak to the doctor so the doctor knew what he was going through. Yeah. I'm not saying, and there's people who can be in their 90s and they're mentally sharp. The problem is, this is the president of the United States. When you go on vacation or even a break, the office goes with you. So the question is, do we know, because President Biden has never taken a cognitive test. Donald Trump did. And Ronnie Jackson, who was the doctor for George W. Bush, excuse me, George W. Bush and Barack Obama, and Donald Trump, he took a, a, a detailed cognitive test and he passed with flying colors. Joe Biden hasn't done that. Mm -hmm. Now we're going into a presidential election. He will be 82 weeks after the election in this November. Yeah. How do we know what his health condition is? Now remember, the, the Pentagon and the government didn't tell us about the Chinese spy balloon no. until they got caught over uh, when someone else said something's up in Montana. Oh, so, when they had to actually shoot it down. Yeah, so then, we've got, <laughs> so then we've got this. So we're never told certain things until after the fact. Mm -hmm. So how do we know that they're telling the truth on that? But as people look at this, now flip the switch. What happens if Donald Trump's Secretary of Defense was out of pocket and Donald Trump didn't know for four days? How do you think the press would have reacted? They would have skewed him. They would have skewered him. But this goes into that this was supposed to be, as Ray said, the grown-ups are in the room. Mm -hmm. This was supposed to be the president had all this foreign policy experience. Yeah. So let's look where we're right now. We're in a proxy war with Russia over Ukraine. We got a potential regional war in um, the Middle East. Right now, the British and U.S. naval forces shot down dozens of drones 
and then F-18 took down some drones itself. Yeah. So we've got all that. Then you got a potential conflict with China over Taiwan. We got all these issues. Then you've got, which probably our next segment, we got eight million plus people streaming across the U.S. southern border in December. You had 302,000 people in one month come across that border. And now they're being parceled across the country. And how do we know who these people are? Not to mention they just kicked out, what, 22,000 kids? Yeah, 2,000 kids out of their school, put them on virtual learning to have uh, immigrants, to have our, you know, let's give them the benefit of that, to have the immigrants come over and take up that space for well, where they're it, living and on top of that you said it was from a lower income it's lower incomes like it's not higher, going to, a higher income could be understandable higher income means like there's a little bit more of a support structure there no they went to the bottom because the lo- the higher income doesn't want it they, no the higher income has a voice and a say and they're going to come they're going to come on well, yeah because they know if they went after the higher income and they kicked their kids out they there would the, not there would not be another democratic mayor in there for a while but what they did is they take these kids. But the, that, okay, hold on. Wait, let me just before. Okay, so if the upper class people spoke up and it would eliminate, but why aren't the, say, the lower class who were probably Democratic, why aren't they kind of raising their voice? Well, order? it's the same thing as Vivek Ramaswamy. He calls everybody's a. Um, um, is tainted because they've got all these campaign contributions. You're part of the system. Mm-hmm. But I would ask Vivek Ramaswamy is, have you contacted your elected officials? I guarantee he has. If you're a billionaire and you called your U.S. senator, do you really think he's not going to take your call? Mm-hmm. We're small. I'm a small business owner. You're a small business. If you called your local congressional rep, and says, I'm Joe Bids from All American Gunslingers. Is he going to call you up? No. Oh, I, I beg to differ on that one. I think it might, that might be a little bit of a different situation than say, really th- then say, okay, I would say uh, us, our situation would be a little bit different, say, from like a pawn shop or a barber shop or I something. I got like it. That. But do you really believe that you small, you haven't given anything, one penny to your congressional Not yet? <laughs> but I would want, I beg to differ. But so lower income people don't have the voice. It's it's day money I talks. I think so. From a business point, if we just want to branch off to like a business point of view for a second, I think our business is going to be a little bit different because we are going to be contributing a lot more to that area than they think. Whether it's yeah, whether it's it. taxes and stuff but like right that. Right now, if you don't contribute to someone's campaign, oh yeah, this year no, next year. But, well, if yes. you don't contribute to someone's campaign, it makes a difference. And if the, here's the thing that I, that. Should well, be a I big, might be contributing to your campaign. There we go. Here's what's something that should be a bigger issue. These are low-income individuals. Yeah. Right now in New York City, 80% of black and Hispanic children, this is from the New York City Unified School District there, mm-hmm. public schools, 80% of black and Hispanic kids cannot read or do math to grade level. So who's going to be impacted more by a loss of learning? So now their parents who have to work, have to figure out childcare, and also have to have teach their kids like they did during COVID, how to learn by, by Zoom. Well, uh, now that if we're kind of digging into it, I'll tell you what, they could see or look at the low income family and basically they can kind of take this year or whatever it is that they're doing, taking these kids, taking them virtual learning. And then when the time comes, 
oh, these kids aren't going to graduate or these kids are not making the numbers. Well, guess what? Send them through anyway. Because that's, that's what they do. In all the big cities and all the blue cities, if a kid is not meeting its criteria when it comes to school, they say, okay, screw it. You can go forward anyway. So, and that's what they'll do. And so, I mean, but, but that's what they're doing. So kids are graduating who are not reading or doing math to grade level. So if you graduate... And you've got a high school diploma. It's basically a but worthless piece of paper. Isn't you the can't. public school system a joke anyway? It is because look how, but look at the ones who push it. Like there was a big debate of, um, at the end of November, November 29th, between Gavin Newsom and um, Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. Gavin Newsom's all big on public schools for somebody else's kids. His kids go to private school. Even when he shut the schools down for a state during COVID, his kids were in-person learning at a private school. Barack Obama's kids went to private school. Joe, Bi Joe Biden's kids went to private school. Look yeah. at Hunter Biden. Here's a guy that graduated from a, a private public, excuse me, a private high school, went to Yale and Yale Law School. He epitomizes white privilege. Look at the disaster his life is. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they has two different standards. They want you to be poor and uneducated. And they say they care about people of color, but they do more harm to people of color, and they and they get because they just want them poor and uneducated. From what I heard, you know, it said uh, a healthy, educated, and confident nation is harder to govern. It is harder because you know things. Yeah, and it's like my brother's kids. So they want kids, to keep us dumb, sick. And well, they, they want wanna... you. They want you uneducated because you won't know. They want you poor. Because then you're going to be always needing the government. Why would you vote for a party who wants to cut government spending? And that's where we're at. And you can. And there was one thing I saw on this feed. I don't know who said it. It goes prison or you know, Trump for prison 2024. Based off what? Tell me what Donald Trump did. I don't like his rhetoric. I think he's a narcissistic ass. He tweeted about the election being rigged. John. Okay, but here's the... That's why he should go to jail I mean, it. so that's what she's <laughs> going... You're being charged him for, for complaining or questioning the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. Every Democrat questioned the 2016 election. Was that DC stuff? The, the charges from for Trump and like the... With the insurrection stuff? That, no, that no. That been the, dropped, right? The, it hasn't been drugged. They never charged him for insurrection. Okay. He's never been charged, indicted, or anything. This was all challenging the elections of 2020. Yeah. So how does he... Okay, so he hasn't been charged. Now, this has also recently come up uh, to the point where the Supreme Court is it might get uh, involved. No, they if, are getting involved. They are getting involved. If you are cited and charged for insurrection, would that mean the 14th Amendment would be used correctly, but what if you're not charged with insurrection? Can okay. the 14th Amendment be but used? But even if you, you're charged with the 14th Amendment, mm -hmm. and that's Which in section... Move, okay, that's Democrats. in section 3. But you've never been convicted. That's the key we got to go to. Yeah. You can be... Many people are charged, but they're never convicted. They used it in... Uh, against the... was a Confederate vice president yes. to Jefferson Davis... Once the Civil War was over, he decided, among others, to come back to, I think he was in the Senate, to come back to a Senate seat from the state <laughs> wherever he was from. Well, the people were like, wait a minute, you took open rebellion. Even Jack Smith, who was charging Trump with everything, never charged Trump under insurrection. Yeah. Nobody's been charged 
under insurrection, even the Capitol rioters. Well, it would be, probably be the same as no one's been charged with treason. Even no, though, it's a even, very... Even though there are, have been some treasonous things that should be a happened. general that's getting charged for treason. General the, Milley. Okay, yeah. but here's the point. The reason nobody's been charged for treason, that goes back to um, John Marshall, yeah. who was the th uh, third chief justice. He was the father of the modern Supreme Court. When they wanted to charge Aaron Burr for treason against the United States, he made the bar so high because he knew not just for that court case, he knew man, men as men. Men will charge their enemies for everything. He wanted to make it so hard that you just can't charge your political opponents for this. Mm -hmm. But going which, back which you're trying to <laughs> but going back to what's going on with Trump and why Colorado kicks him off the uh, um, the ballot. Um, Mar not Maryland. Maine's doing the same thing. Constitutional scholars have said, wait a minute. Even the three Democrat jurists on the Colorado Supreme Court said, I don't like Trump, but this isn't the way to do it. You're making the courts make this decision. That's why, like Jonathan Turley, the constitutional scholar, I always question or at least um, comment on. He stated he wants it to be unanimous. This is a, not a, an argument to use. Because if you do this, because if you do this, what happens if Florida or Missouri or Texas or any Republican um, state says, we're going to remove Joe Biden because he failed in his constitutional duties to um, upheld, uh, protect the borders when he allowed 8 million um, illegals to cross the U.S. southern border. What's the difference? What, you got some comments coming in? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, put it out. No, they're just trying to rattle. It, it's just they're troll. Just, it, and, yeah, and if you acknowledge it, you just give them more power. So. No, I just want to say how, how idiotic their argument is. I mean, you may hate someone so much, remember... So I but, a, but here's I a point. A question, John, but here's a point that yeah. Jonathan Turley made, who's no Trump supporter, who's a liberal Democrat. He said, "Be careful what you wish for." Remember when the the, um, the Democrats decided to change um, that you needed uh, 60 votes instead of 60 votes to get confirmed to a federal judge. Yeah, they got, rid, just, of the they got rid of the filibuster, and then when the Republicans took over. They, they added three justices. Had they had the filibuster, some of those jurists never would have gotten in. Yep. So if you go this way, for the Republic, Democrats, if you do this, don't complain when the Republicans do the same well, thing to you. It was like the Democrats came up with a nuclear option. And then Harry under Reed. the Trump administration, they use that left and right. Exactly. So if you decide to do this, if you move forward to remove someone from the ballot because you use some obscure law, don't say anything and don't complain when the Republicans do it to you. I got to tell you, history repeats itself because the last time Stupidity, that came off... That but the Democrats are moving forward like, like, like what could they do with the Supreme Court? Oh, the Supreme Court's illegitimate because they don't rule my way. Be careful what you wish for. You set a precedent. Like when the... As an example, remember when the House kicked off um, a, a Republican a congressional rep off one of the committees of baseless things. What happened when the Republicans took over? They kicked off Eric Sawwell, they kicked off Ulan Omar, and they booted off um, 
Or Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. So be careful what you wish for. And he Press, cried about it, too. He, but he, he went to TikTok and cried about it. But look at the things they did. They did Like, look at the impeachment. They just did a sham impeachment, no, no inquiry, nothing. They just did it, boom. So be careful what you wish for, Democrats. You may just get it. So my question actually goes back to what you said a little bit before about the treason and setting the bar high. I get it if it's a political rival, and, and I get that, but you're talking about a, a general in the United States Army who is an officer who swore an oath to the Constitution. That, I believe, is treason. But you, the, you called a Chinese general I got on it, that but day. the point is... No. No, 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 but no, what I'm saying is... Pretty serious. <laughs> all I'm saying is this, and just like a lot of these constitutional scholars, due process is the fundamental part of our Judeo-Christian um, legal system. And General Milley is given his due process, not just these sham investigations and sham impeachments like they did to Donald. You may not like Donald Trump. There was no impeachment inquiry. They just said, we're going to do it and moved on with it. Mm-hmm. And and now they're ruining the day because even like the contempt, you got Jamie Raskin, the, Repo- the Democratic congressman, I think from New York. He's all about, well, Hunter Biden doesn't need to go up in front of the in behind closed doors. He should be doing it openly. This is the Republicans trying to make a shit to go after Donald, I mean, after Joe Biden. Well, then why did all the Republicans that he wanted had to go behind closed doors? You can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're doing. They want to have it both ways. Now, the question is, today, the Republicans at a committee voted to hold Joe Biden, I mean, uh, Hunter Biden in contempt. What do the Democrats do? Are they going to, are they going to cross, are there going to be anybody to cross over? Because they held... Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro in contempt. They sent it to the Justice Department where they convicted him and they had to go do jail time. And and didn't Hunter Biden walk out today? Didn't he, he was didn't in he and stage out. a little temper tantrum? He was in and out. But the, the question is, if you wanted Republican witnesses to go behind closed doors, and if you charged and convicted Republicans for contempt of Congress, what's the difference here? You can, and that's the thing, you can't have it both ways. So there's been something said, I heard it today on another conservative radio show, but they were talking about how in Wilmington they're having secret meetings where media is being, having meetings in Wilmington about them not, like, pushing uh, Bidenomics a little bit harder. But also that the Biden administration or somebody in Wilmington, because I guess that's where he resides on the weekends, everybody that has been charging Trump, you know, with like uh, from Georgia to all his uh, indictments, have visited the president. Yeah, see, that's like right now, we right before this uh, podcast started, you had the prosecutor in Georgia of select, appoint her... Um, I guess a significant other, like a lover. And then they had this affair. And then this person meets with the, um, the, de- the Department of Justice. And then they pay him a million dollars. He had never prosecuted a felony crime. Mm-hmm. And you've had it's, this. It's going to be a slam dunk and you don't need that. But see, but that's the point. And remember when um, 
Loretta Lynch met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac in Phoenix at the same time the Justice Department was investigating Hillary. So you get this conflict of interest. And it just, it just, just it's tainted. Clinton talk was a little bit more aggressive than, say, like this one. But no, but you're pointing somebody you're, who's investigating somebody that hates Trump. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, I mean, do you want somebody, and I would tell people who are, maybe disagree or hate Donald Trump. What happens if somebody appointed a prosecutor to go after you and that prosecutor can't stand you? Mm-hmm. Is that, or like Letitia James in New York. She campaigned, even Alvin Bragg, both of them campaigned, I'm going to get Donald Trump no matter what. Letitia James wants $350 million in damages. Nobody's lost any money. Everybody made money. The banks didn't complain. Everybody made money. So so you're just going after people vindictively. Remember, this could swing against you guys. What happens if Joe Biden leaves the White House? We can go after him. It doesn't end. All right. Actually, you know what? Ray, throw that in there. Yeah. What you got, Ray? All right. So there was a Locria. I think I said that right. Hopefully. Uh, said, Mr. Ubaldi, sir, what would convince you that we need a ceasefire in Gaza and why? <laughs> well, right now you have to look at it. It is this. I don't. Yeah, well, I already know the answer. Well, <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, everybody, I mean, straight up the bat, everybody feels for the Palestinians. Mm. Okay, right now, everybody feels, I mean, no, but even before that, nobody wants, even in the military, even in the Marines, nobody wants to see innocent Palestinians killed. But what I would tell people who support Hamas, where were you prior to that? Look at the money. Hamas has gotten over the years. They've gotten billions. They spent it on weapons. They spent it on tunnels. And I would ask them, what would you do and how would you feel as a nation if the Mexican drug cartels came over to America, killed 1,500 American citizens, and if you take the equivalent per capita for Israel, that would be 50,000 Americans, mm-hmm. raped women, broke their, so hard they broke their pelvis, beheaded children, infant children, and then put infant children in ovens. And what would you do if a terrorist came in, kill, uh, killed the father by gouging his eyes out and killing him, yeah. cut the breast off the mother, cut the fingers off a boy, and cut the foot off of a little girl, and then killed them, and then ate food there before they left? Well, I think that's why Israel's responding the way so they are. So this is why Israel... How do you think Texas... How do you, would, yeah. cartel came over and did that, how do you think Texas... Exactly what but you said, the, John, is why Israel's doing what they're the doing But then the other point now. is, where were all these individuals? If you say Muslim lives matter, where were you when over half a million um, Syrians were killed, including 100,000 children mm-hmm. by Iran... By Hamas, by the um, Hezbollah and others, not yeah Hezbollah in Syria, no one said it. I don't see protests there. I don't see you protesting the Iranians who are fomenting this that the killing hundreds of thousands over the years. I don't see anybody protesting what's going on in Yemen. October seventh was literally a promo video for Hamas. And this is not me civilians. saying this. Hamas put these <laughs> videos online. So they no. laughed about it. I, I got so, no sympathy for them. 
This is what you got. So where's the where's the outrage against Hamas? <laughs> and when they put, we saw this in Iraq and Afghanistan. They put weapons in schools and mosques and hospitals. I don't see the protest against that. So I want peace to go in the Middle East, but let's stop supporting terror groups. I mean, look at Israel. Israel actually has democracy. They actually have Muslims serving in the Knesset. Mm -hmm. I think one of their their chief justices of the Supreme Court was Muslim. Is that happening in the Middle East? And all these LGBTQ plus whatever and feminists, they would be killed if they were in the pa- in the you Gaza Strip. Like you got to kill every single cell, every little. You got to. So that because if you let just a little bit leave or left, it's just going to grow. Right? You got so it. Unfortunately, if you want to ceasefire, you need to eradicate everything. And stop the biggest thing. The biggest threat to the region is Iran. Yeah. And tell everybody, I don't see anybody protesting the Iranians. They just killed a a girl. I don't see, where's the protest on that? You mean far left socialists are against the Jewish people? I've seen that in history somewhere. Where did I see that? (laughs) You can go to UbaldiReports at gmail.com. That's UbaldiReports at gmail.com. You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Keep following us every Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. Our goal is to do this every day every day because there's a lot to talk about. And I hate waiting until the next week, but it's just you got to eat and you got to work. So we just got to keep it going. Thank you for all those who comment, whether they support what we're saying or not. I just want people to think and get people discussing these issues. But before we go, Joe will talk about all American gunslingers and what they're doing. Go Joe. All right, so All American Gunslinger, we're a few more weeks from opening up. Go ahead, follow us on our Facebook page. That's All American Gunslingers. We want to get up to 1,000. We're like 25 away. Yeah, we're real close to 1,000 followers. 25 people away from 1,000 followers. And once we do hit 1,000, we're going to make a special announcement for all of those of us that have been following. We hope we, hope we could have done it like a, like a month ago, but, you know, better late than never. Um, also... Uh, you can follow us on all social media. That is All American Gunslingers. Uh, through all our social media, TikTok, Twitter, um, Instagram. So make sure to follow us on there, and we'll keep you up to date on what's going on. Stick around past the podcast while we just hang out on TikTok, and we answer your questions, and we berate John A. So we will talk to you guys soon. All right. We going to keep this going, or?